Upper Darby High School is increasing security at sporting events, and Bright MLS is advertising in the Inquirer. Tune in to Tool Time right now. What is up? I am Tom Tool. She's Jess Lyon. We are back with some interesting stuff happening locally in the real estate world and locally in the world of high school sports. That's where we're going to start. So last week, Upper Darby High School enacted a strict entrance policy for all winter sporting events, specifically home wrestling and basketball games for boys and girls, uh, to make sure there's an approved list of people that can come in and watch the game. So if you're an Upper Darby student, you have to use your student ID to get in, and the competing school has to give a list of approved students that can come and watch the game in reaction to a fight at a December 17th basketball game that broke out for the varsity boys basketball team at Upper Darby. What do you think about all this? I want to know what caused the fight because this fight was pretty big. I mean, it, it has this implication, and it they flooded the court. So I understand why they're like, okay, some action needs to be taken. Um, but they're charging students from the other schools now to pay tickets. I mean, you have to be on this list. I think it's a little bit much to have parents and relatives do this. I mean, they want to see their child play in a sport that they, you know, pay all these fees to have them in. I, I think it's a little bit unnecessary. I think it's the responsibility of the school to protect the people who are at these events and, you know, increase security and things like that. Um, I don't know if this list is the way to go. How big How big was the fight? Well, it said that it spilled onto the court from the bleachers, so apparently pretty big. So I, I've never been to Upper Darby High School, so how big how, how big would you estimate the, uh, the, the the gym is there? Like how many people? Yeah. Oh, I have no clue. It's va- it's really big. They have all of like their summer st- – oh, I don't know if they have the summer stage there. I don't think I have ever been in the gymnasium at Upper Darby. So let's do a little Google research while we go here. And, you know, i, I got to totally disagree with you, Jess. I mean, really? to me, this is a – high school sports are a big deal. I mean, recently you see LeBron James's son is on nationally televised games. I remember, um, and this is a while ago, Roman played uh, Camden, I believe it was, when they had Dewan Wagner and Eddie Griffin, both major college stars. They have nationally televised games mm-hmm. on, on at neutral locations. So sometimes high school sports are played in the palestra. They're played all over in these big college gyms. So. Note the notoriety coming with all these sports now because everything's magnified. I mean, sports is big business, and anytime there's like a prospect or someone that has the potential to go to college and be really good, and there's a lot of college recruits here when it comes to basketball, that's going to attract attention. And one, you know, anything that happens, I mean, we've seen crazier things happen than this at public events. So I, I agree with you, Upper Darby or the high school itself should be upping the security on their own. They should. Maybe they don't have the ability to do it quickly, and this was the only short-term solution. I mean, what, I mean, what? Upper Darby has a lot of security as it is, um, but I definitely do think that they should not. I mean, they want people to come to these games. They want the you know public, the area, to be involved, and it's part of a community. I mean, if you are not from the looks of the article, if you are not related to, if you're not like on the parent list, or if you're not a student, if you are just someone who wants to go watch the game, you can't go in and see it. And I don't think that's right. Well, right or wrong, I mean, it's... I think you you should be able to. 
I mean, these aren't public events, though, right? Like, it's not being held at a, at a park or something like that. This is school property. And I can tell you the security at schools is crazy having kids in school. I was at my, my, my uh, kid's elementary school, and my daughter's outside in the kindergarten playground. I had already registered with the, the, the security officer at the front door. Uh-huh. And I went over to say hi to her and saw her playing. And I thought to myself, oh, man, I hope no one comes and approaches me because they might just think I'm some stranger coming to talk to the kids playing outside on the kindergarten playground. Okay. You're laughing. I mean, they're... It's, no, it's scary, and I understand what you're when saying. When I go into their school, I have to get a sticker with my face on it, and I have to register. Yes. So why is this any different for a sporting event at a public high school? I mean, I think that maybe, I honestly think that there should be increased security, maybe do like a wand search or something like that as you're going into these events. Being on a list, I mean, what if you wanted to bring your, your, you know, some, your family friend or something like that? I feel like you really should just have access to this. And, you know, I don't think being a parent or a student from another school should, that should be limited. So, I mean, when, when I went to high school basketball games, and our basketball team was not big, I went to Devon Prep, but we would go to a lot of games at other campuses. We had to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were a couple bucks. It wasn't a big deal, but they were $5 a piece. You had to go to, you know, get, get them in advance to be able to go to the game. So, I mean, are they going to start doing lists for, like, the shows, too? You'll have to be, like, a parent. or No, they would not absolutely You probably have to buy a ticket. That. You have to buy a ticket. Okay. So maybe the tickets are a good thing, but I think anybody should be able to purchase a ticket then. Well, and, and I, I agree with you. So on their Instagram page, um, they have the policy here, and it says they're enacting new procedures for winter sporting events, making all winter home events are not available to the general public. Students with school-issued IDs who are eligible to attend events will be allowed to purchase a ticket at the event, and they have to sit in their student section. All non-Upper Darby uh, students or adults will not be permitted to attend the events. Prior to the event, uh, the visiting team wants to submit a list of invited parents and family members, so mm-hmm. family members that are coming, that will be able to buy a ticket at the gate. And students from the visiting team must show the school photo ID in order to buy a ticket. Uh, the visiting team is required to submit a list or have an administrator at the gate to approve the entry of each person. So I like the intention. Well, I mean, th- this is a policy that obviously had – it was a little reactionary. Mm-hmm. It's going to get fine-tuned. I, I don't – I'm surprised there's not a policy like this already in place. I mean, there, there's crazy things that happen in high schools now and in, in schools in general. So, and what and to the point, what if a kid's suspended for, I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that happen here. Let's say it's I a, don't it's think a, they were students. They weren't students who got I, I, But that's the point, right? Yeah. Like, who are these? I mean, it's not just for the general public to come in. These are for students and people in the community. And it says family members are welcome. And if you're planning to go to a game, you're going to have your plans in place. Like, it's mm-hmm. not that hard. I mean, what I'd imagine you're just emailing somebody or maybe there's like a Google form you fill out for each school who it is. I don't have an issue with this. To me, this is something that I'm surprised hasn't happened sooner, especially with what goes on at these games. I mean, some of these games are pretty intense. I, I know for – You don't uh, have to go to one of these games. Well, but, but it, I'll but take I can't. it – well, well, you could if you send. I don't in, know anybody. Well, you, if you send in your information and you're you're a, you're an invited or parent or family member, and I'm sure there's going to be ways this gets refined. Right. But there's a big fight like that at a high school. I mean, that's not something that's gonna that's gonna be tolerated. So I can't blame them for this. I like the decision, and I've seen how intense these games get. I, I mean, um, so I went to Devon Prep. They won the state baseball championship a couple times. Mm-hmm. They played against Newman Garetti um, down in I think it was like a field like by FDR Park. And you don't think baseball gets intense? There was a kid on the other team where he would wear a helmet, and anytime they did something, he would run through the bench with the helmet down, and they would hit him in the head with stuff. 
to get the team riled up. So oh. that sounds pretty intense, right? Like it this does. is the kind of thing that I see happen at high school sporting events. So I don't I don't have an issue with this. I'm sure this is going to get revisited. I, I I'm just surprised there's not something that hasn't been like this enforced already. Yeah, I'm I'm on the other side. I think you know, charge us tickets, charge us money for the tickets, fine, but you know, keep it open to the public. Well, so I mean, you know, what's the what's you know let's say someone's got a criminal record i mean are they allowed to come too like i mean what if they're on on uh megan's megan's list I someone mean, from your family could have a criminal record yeah i mean that's the point so. though i mean so i think there has to there, there's a school involved here that's mm-hmm. the issue this isn't a college game right yeah. it's not a professional sports and they have codes of conduct when you go to any professional sports game they'll throw you out right. based on that right and that's what should have happened here and i'm sure i I think the reason why this is taking place is because it got so out of hand. They had to call from help from like um, the Haverford Police like the were Lansdown there, police or the Haverford Police. So if it was something this big, then I understand why they're trying to do something. But looks like we're on the opposite sides here. So if you, th- you see Jess at a game and there's a fight, we know who started it. <laughs> Definitely me. So I win that one as okay. usual. <laughs> Next story. Very interesting. This, this to me, is, is, is a little crazy. And this past weekend, and we're going to put a photo of this up. So Nick's already got the photo. Uh, Bright MLS took out a half-page ad in the Inquirer. And when huge. I say half-page, it's when you unfold the paper and it's the entire bottom half of the paper. And it is bright. And, and the, the Inquirer is the, the Philadelphia newspaper here, for those of you watching from, from out of town. And they came up with an ad. It says, you have access to more with Bright MLS, meaningful technology solutions, the best data locally, the service and support you need for Philly real estate professionals. Bright MLS has it all, only at brightmls.com. So they took this ad out, and there's there's a Bright Facebook group, which, I mean, the people go bananas in this group. And a lot of them are agents that are selling like two or three homes a year. So take that for what it's worth. The issue I see here is why is Bright advertising in the Inquirer? I don't understand this. What do you think about all this? I mean, there's obviously a reason why you advertise. What are you looking to get out of it? And the way I interpreted this story was, okay, are they looking to advertise to agents? And I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think that Bright is trying to compete with Zillow. I think they're trying to touch the consumer. I think that consumers will be curious as to what Bright is if you're not already working with a realtor and they will use the Bright home search site and they can go on there and they can see all the information about the property. They can see who the listing agent is. So I think um, I understand why why agents would be upset with this. So did a little research on the rate sheet for the Inquirer, and the most recent one I could find is from 2009. So, I mean, that's probably why the Inquirer is going out of business. A half-page display ad costs between forty-four dollars and $50,000. So that's what was spent. So okay. take, like, fast forward that 10 years. It's probably more. So they spent that kind of money, number one, on this ad. And then on the Facebook group, when people questioned this, the response from Bright was, we were targeting agents because we're new to the market. I don't know any agent. Unless you're living under a rock or not selling any homes uh, or you're one of these people trying to skirt the MLS, then you probably know who it is anyway. How would you not? There's only one MLS. There's not like we used to have trend. Now we got bright. That's yeah. it. That, that, that's how it works. So I don't understand how they have to target people with this. This, this makes no sense to me. Hmm. Number one. Then 
when we went through the comments and I looked at this, and this all broke yesterday, um, the, over the weekend here and, and on, on Monday, there's a website called searchbrightmls.com. And you can go on there, you can look at properties, and what they will, and they're promoting this to consumers. That's not in the ad. And when you go on there, you get the listing agent's information, which I know has been a big complaint about these other sites like Zillow and Trulia and Realtor and all, all these places. Yeah. I still don't understand what Bright is doing. They have this off-MLS off policy that the membership doesn't agree with for mm-hmm. the most part, but NAR just jammed it through because these are people that are not on the front line selling real estate. It's they're making the rules up but not practical. That's my view, and, and uh, that could be documented by their production. Mm-hmm. Then we have this ad in the Inquirer. Who's looking at this? Well, that's what, I mean, first of all, who Which reads realtors? the paper, number one? <laughs> And, and secondly, like, I mean, this this makes no sense to me. Yeah. So I don't understand what their game plan is here. What I see, it's, it's something where they are desperate to get people to only share the information on the MLS. This is just like the off-MLS policy. Okay. Because they want everyone to use Bright. They don't want anyone to go anywhere else. Yeah. And when that happens... When that happens, what they're what they're trying to do is they're really competing with Zillow here. I mean, people that, that's are what this only is. looking on Zillow, and I feel like they, you know, if you're looking at most people don't know what Bright is unless you're a realtor. So I did. I I, I logged into the Bright search Bright me homes. Me too. Me too. So tell tell them about what your what your findings were. Well, it had the everything that I see on the other end as a realtor. It had a lot of what Zillow had. Um, and it also had the contact information for the listing agent. So I don't know. If I'm like a consumer, I don't know what Bright is. So I would just go to Zillow because to me, it has all the same information. Well, for the consumer, it's always about the property. They don't care where they find it. They don't care what website they're looking at. They want yeah. to go to the one where it's going to be the easiest and the to easiest. navigate. Yeah. So this looks like, one, a waste of money by Bright. Two, another example how they are out of touch with the people that actually – make up their membership and three exactly another decision where i mean you know this is not insignificant money here and with all the things they're doing now i mean it's it shows they're in a desperate position because they are out there spending big money to attract realtors when it's the only thing realtors can use Mm -hmm. there's nothing else to use with an mls There's, there's no other options i think it's pretty tough to use as a real i mean i know how to use it but it's it's not attractive, I think, to any of my buyers that are out there. So maybe they should invest the money into doing like an update, a facelift, something like that, rather than advertising like this. And if you read what Bright says, so just, just so we're clear, the ad was meant to build awareness of Bright for real estate professionals. It also builds awareness among consumers around all their agents has through the MLS. Regarding Bright MLS Homes, the website was previously available in another region for many years. It was simply rebranded and expanded. It does offer free leads and prominently displays the listing agent's information. I did see requests for more information on how these leads work and will provide that. I mean, you know, I just I just don't understand where they're going with this. I've never gotten we we have lots of listings. I was I've never try gotten and schedule an appointment and see where it went to. <laughs> I've never gotten one inquiry from this uh, whatsoever. So I I just don't know that it's happening. It, it looks like a waste of money. And again, they're not focused on the right things. I mean, if I was bright, and I, I mean, I've we've actually asked them to come on our yeah. podcast that we have, and, and they haven't responded to me. Big surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, we did get John Coyle on a video that uh, Scott Compa and I did, who's a buddy of mine, just to kind of ask him questions about this off MLS policy. He was on the next day. That was great. 
I wanted to have the VP on our podcast to talk about all this, and they haven't responded. We've asked, I think we've sent in three or four emails. So if you guys are watching, we're ready. Nick's got his camera ready. We'd love to have you on. I don't get why they're so out of touch with the membership. Yeah. Maybe having some like town hall style meetings would be helpful here with some very clear rules because people don't feel like their voice is being heard. And there's, in typical social media fashion, there are, how many comments are on this thing? Over like 60. This, this is this morning. 65 comments from a post that's 16 hours old. Um, and there's another thread that has another, here it is, that has another 66 comments. So people are talking 130 about people are not happy with what's going on. Most of them are saying we should find Bright and all that nonsense. The reality is, in order to communicate with your consumer base, you got to actually communicate with them and not just roll this stuff out. So I would love to see Bright do that. I'd love to see them get on our podcast. Hopefully they're watching. And I still that don't would understand. That be amazing. I hope they do. I still don't understand the ad. Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense to me. So yeah. I, I don't know what their game plan is. It just looks like a desperation move to compete with all the outside competition, specifically Zillow, like we've talked about. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. On to the motivation. Sure. What okay. do you got? Well, this is from Les Brown. Have you ever heard of him? No. Motivational speaker. He's an author. Um, he said, it's on the Quote of the Day podcast that I really like to listen to. It's quick, 10 minutes. You should listen. Um, most people accept the reality that they have been given. Well, yeah, I, that, that, that's very accurate because a lot of people, they don't go out and try to make a change in what's going on. They just say, okay, this is where I'm at. These are the cards I'm dealt. I'm going to roll with it versus trying to make a change in their lives, which you know, it takes a lot of time to do. I mean, that's, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. We've talked about that a, a number of times on the show here mm-hmm. that – if you really want to change the direction of where you're going, whether it's professionally, whether it's with your, your health, because that's such an easy one to talk about, um, your relationships, all those sort of things, I mean, you, you can say, okay, this is the way it is and complain about it, or you can do something that's going to make a difference. I mean, that, that's where it's hard. I mean, you got to get outside your comfort zone to do that. So yeah. it certainly makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. When I think of this um, and you're accepting what is your reality, accepting what is told to you, I feel like it's something where you – may want to try the approach of doing first and then asking for forgiveness later. Just someone tells you what to do and maybe you have a really great idea and you don't think that they're going to um, accept you. Maybe just try doing it and then see where it goes and see what takes you, see where that takes you. I also think when this comes, when I'm reading this or when I'm hearing this, um, that it's all about change and I mean, I've tried to implement this myself. When you want to change, it has to start from, you want to change your environment, you want to change anything that's happening in your life. It has to start from the behaviors that, you know, things that you're thinking internally, behaviors that you do internally, and then you will start to see externally the change. And that's something that I try and do every day. Um, That's what I hear when I hear this. Well, it's definitely about behaviors. You hit on a good point there because if you're going to change anything, it's got to start with your behaviors. I mean, it, it, you can't just sit there and say, okay, I don't want to – so let's take the working out example because it, yeah. it's just so easy. Well, I don't want to feel like crap anymore when I wake up. Well, it's great to have that intention. If you're not going to do anything about it, I mean, you're always going to feel that way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe you, you feel – and that, that's a lot of, like, victim language, right? Like, oh, well, this this is the case, so I'm going to blame it on that versus being a having creator language, right, where – hey, I don't want to feel like crap every day because I'm overweight and out of shape. So instead, I'm going to get up early and work out every morning. Like that, see, the I difference like that there creator is... creator language. Well, the difference, that, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so 5 a.m. call, we did this last week on that's there. Cool. I, I actually was, uh, I think it was the call on Friday that I did. So it's, on, it's on, the, uh, on the podcast. But the point is, victim language is, 
taking everything and either blaming it on some sort of outside source versus creator language is taking responsibility for what's happening and then decide how you want to come up with an, a, a path to have successful change or a plan of action that's going to get you where you want to go. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, that really sums it up right there. So I, I like I, I'll have to check out Les Brown here. I've never... Just because I don't know who he is doesn't mean anything. So uh, we'll uh, we'll check that out. I mean, there's a ton of good people out there to tap into. So thanks for bringing that to the table. Sure. Sounds good. Catch you guys next week. Bright, we're waiting to hear from you.